I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, but full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Prideful Takes podcast. As always, it's your boy Riley, a.k.a. Pride, and we got a big show today. We're going to talk about the NFL in terms of recap what happened Sunday, and we're going to talk about a certain certain quarterback. Before that, let's touch up on the MLB, Fernando Tatis Jr. I love that man with a passion, but him and fellow teammate Manny Machado got into it. They got into a little altercation in the dugout. Now, a lot of people are making a big to-do about it, but they have had the, the spotlight on them, so to speak. So the question has kind of been asked, this spat they had, is it a big deal? In terms of how I'm seeing it, how I'm perceiving it, before we actually before we get that, let's take a timeline because the one individual involved in this situation, Manny Machado, does not have a good reputation around the league. He's, this is the same guy when he was in Baltimore, thought a reliever threw at him. So at the next at bat, he flung his bat, missed him, and it went down third baseline. This is the same dude that when, jo- again, when he was in Baltimore, when Josh, when Josh Donaldson put a tag on him when he was going to third, he got mad, flung back, threw his helmet, and then made a big hoopla about it. Manny Machado has a history of, being an irritant, of being dramatic. In this situation, I don't think it's that at all. I think the reason people are making a big deal about it, I think it, I think there's two reasons. First and foremost, the Padres should be better than what they are. The Padres should have been in contention for the division with the Dodgers. It shouldn't have been the Dodgers and Giants. It should have been the Dodgers and Padres. And the fact that the Padres don't even have 80 wins, and heck, could perhaps even miss the playoffs entirely and not even get a wild card spot. I think all that's now starting to hit them. So not like like the saying goes, when when winning is high and when production is high, tolerance is high. Those things th- those things coincide. And I think what's going on is all the losing is starting to catch up to them. Now, in terms of what happened, there was a pitch. Adam Wainwright hit um threw a pitch to um. Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis thought it was high. The sad part about it, the pitch, like the pitching question, was a borderline pitch. It was a pitch that, frankly, you can call in or you can call out. You can call it a strike or a ball. It doesn't really matter. You could call it either way. If it's called a strike, like you saw, Fernando gets upset. If you call it a ball, Adam Wainwright, the pitcher, he would have gotten upset. So it's more along the lines of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Fernando Tatis Jr. did not like the call. He did not like the call. He went back to the dugout, and there was a whole bunch of flair going on. There was, he was angry. He was, And, you know, he was kind of making a scene. And Manny Machado came up to him and was like, bro, this ain't about you. As much as you want it to be, it's not. Now, I do have a video with audio 
Um, and it's subtitled, so you know you'll be able uh, for those watching, you'll be able to read it. Um, it is explicit, so just for warning. But here's that audio. So, as you can hear, May Machado screaming, it's not about you. And he's got a point. Fernando Tatis was upset about the pitch, and he is now, the thing about Fernando, he's the spark plug of this team. He's the kid that comes in and ha brings in the swagger. He brings in the energy. So when he shows up and he starts kind of being all poo-poo about it, at this point, they're winning. At this point in time, they were winning. And Manny Machado's point is, bro, if you, it doesn't matter. If you can go over four, you know, are you going to be upset that you went over four? Yes. And I, but at the end of the day, right now, and at this point in time, we need dubs. That's what we need. We need wins. That's what we're that, like that, desperately now more than ever, especially playing the Cardinals, who currently have that spot we want. They got the second wild card spot. The Dodgers already have one locked up. The Cardinals are the ones who got the second wild card spot. They're the guys we, right now. We need to be winning. We need to win the series against them. So I just think I think a lot of this argument really had to do with we need to get our act together. And Manny Machado straight up said it. He give and again, when people see it on its face value. You can see, uh oh, this is this is this is bad. When I first saw it, I just thought, well, here's Manny being man. That's what I initially thought. I'm not gonna lie. I initially thought it was just Manny Machado just being a crybaby. That's what I initially thought. However, when you actually watch it and you see everything, as soon as Fernando Tatis got in the dugout, he's throwing his hat through his gloves. He was he was he was very he was very upset. And Machado was coming like, bro, we're winning. Don't don't shut down because once you shut shut down, you as our best player, and he said that in the audit, he was like, You're you're our best player. You need to act like our best player. You can't just be like, Great, like you can't, especially now in the time point in time when we need to make a push. If we want to see the playoffs, we're gonna need to make a strong and we're gonna need to make a very hard push. And Manny Machado is not really the type of dude to hold back either. Manny Machado will straight up tell you if you're being wrong, and he won't go, look, uh, buddy, you're kind of messing up. No, like Manny Machado will get in your face. That's the type of guy he is. Whether or not we agree with it or not, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, that's what he does. And it seems like it resonates because, frankly, this is the first time they've kind of had a spat like this. So in terms of what's going on with them, I think they're fine. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I just think it's just Manny Machado trying to go to Fernando and say, fam, no, like, excuse my French, knock the shit off. We're supposed to be better than this. You yeah, you struck out on a pitch you like, it is what it is. We're winning. Knock the shit off. And he came at him like, like so. And again, nah, at this point, do I think the Padres are going to make the playoffs? No. I think at this point, they, kind of, they should just, just wrap it up. But... You know, if, if anyone goes out and says that this whole Padres thing is a massive deal and people get you're a moron. That, that's it. It's not that big a deal. And but it is what it is. But on to the Sunday recap, we had a lot of games, a lot of craziness, to be honest. And a quick recap, Raiders beat the Steelers, Niners beat the Eagles, which was 
crazy. The Browns beat the Texans, which Texans are actually kind of solid. Broncos over Jags. Panthers beat the Saints, which that was surprising me. Rams beat Colts in a rather close game. Bills destroyed the Dolphins. Wasn't even close. Uh, the Patriots over the Jets. Bears beat the Bengals. Buccaneers annihilated the Falcons, which I don't think was a surprise to anybody. Cardinals over the Vikings, which was actually a better game than I thought it would be. Same thing with this game, Titans and Seahawks. Titans over Seahawks. Cowboys beat the Chargers, and they were crying like they won the Super Bowl. And then Ravens over Chiefs, which kind of surprised me a little bit. With all this stuff happening, did we learn anything in week two? Believe it or not, yes. I think we learned some stuff. I think we learned a decent amount. First and foremost, I think we learned I want to be careful how I put this, right? I think we learned how incompetent the Bears organization truly is. And when I say incompetent, I mean it's to the point where ownership has to go, the office has to go, the coach has to go. And matter of fact, let's get rid of, let's get rid of Justin Fields too because at this point I don't want to take the kid. Let I don't want to take the kid at all. I, I, I honestly, look, Andy Dalton goes down. They put Justin Fields in. Then they put Andy Dalton back in. At this point, it's like, bro, look, Justin Fields right now, and if you disagree with me, I, I, will, I will fight. This is one of the few goals I will fight to death on. Justin Fields is a better quarterback at this point in time than Andy Dalton. And if you disagree, it's either one or two things. You either don't watch football or you don't like Justin Fields. It's one or the other. One or the other. Justin Fields, is like, like unless you have – a legit quarterback at that position that could take you to the promised land, you should not be. Again, like, Andy Dalton is not a guy that you, that you, oh, let's give him the keys of the kingdom. No, no, I, I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, what about when he was with the Bengals? I don't want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear. Mm-mm. I don't want to hear. Because he, he took him to the playoffs. Sure. I'll give him that. But again, he flares out worse than his hair. So I don't want to hear no nonsense. I don't want to hear no garbage talking about, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's, he's good. No, he's not. Justin Fields right now is better. And that that Bears organization, they there some, something needs to happen. A change at, at the top of it needs to happen because now you're kind of putting it. I'm telling you this right now. If you mishandle this, I'm telling you this is going to be an Eagles 2.0 situation. You keep switching back and forth, back and forth, and you're gonna you're, you're you're gonna risk destroying one of these quarterbacks. You're gonna and the the way they're going, they're gonna destroy the younger one. They're gonna destroy Justin Fields, who not only is better now, but has the potential to be better long term. This kid has the potential to be a top five quarterback in the league. He's got that potential. So why ruin it for Andy Dalton? Why ruin it for him? Why? Why? Everyone's like, oh my god, he got a must he got he got a mustache and beard. Yup, guess what? He he can have all that. He's still ain't getting those wins. That, that's what I'm saying. If I'm a Bears fan, he ain't getting his wins. They put in Justin Fields and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, dude, this this team looks different. This team looks completely different around Justin Fields. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if I, I don't know what it is, but when I see Justin Fields there, I see a team. That frankly is a little more energized. That's what I see. Another thing I, I I'm kind of learning. 
Dallas Cowboys, their ceiling within that organization is dangerously low. And it's it's to the point where it's comical. They're crying, hugging each other after the game. Oh my god, we won. Oh, oh my god, we gotta give each other. I I I know that I thought Confetti was gonna fall and the Lombardi trophy was gonna come out. I, I had to rub my eyes and I, I kid you not. I looked at the at my at the clock, right? And I'm like, hold on, because I, I got I got two monitors, right? So you know I I'll watch a couple games here and there. You know, I got red zone on one. I'm a Patriots fan. You know what I mean? I, I love my New England Patriots. So I had the red zone on one screen. I had the New England Patriots game on the other, right? So, you know, I got the red zone. And, and they're, they're all crying. And I'm like, what, what, what? So I look at them at the monitor. I'm like, oh, what time is it? Okay. What's today? Oh, it's week two for the Cowboys to be crying like this. And, and be like, it was a hard game against the Chargers. That tells me, yeah, expectations is dumb low. It's stupid low. Like, to the point, like, frankly, like, it, the way they're acting is, like, six wins will be a phenomenal season. Like, that's how bad it was. I mean, we're talking about dudes crying, and I'm, I'm expecting Dak Prescott to be in the mic and say, I'm taking my kids to Disney World, man. Like, that's how bad it was. Like, look, bro. If you down that bad, you go, you're going to be the new Houston Texans, which moves me to point number two or point number three. The Houston Texans, I think it's time to actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, respect the Houston Texans. And more specifically, Tyrod Taylor. I can't believe I'm saying that, but this team, I mean, Jags, I, mean, I don't care about week one, but the fact that they actually stuck around with the Browns, Remember, this ain't a Browns team that won one game in two years. No, 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 no. This is a Browns team that, frankly, a lot of people favor to win the division. If Tyrod Taylor doesn't go out, it is a legitimate possibility that the Browns are 0-2. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. This horrible team that everyone has said was horrible, I don't know what I, I, the way it looks like they're playing. They're playing like they don't. They they just they're going out there and they're like, look, bro, we're expected to lose. So if we're gonna lose, lose on our shield, which I don't blame them. I really don't. It's a nice way to go out. And heck, listen, man. Some people expected them to be like the worst in the league, and now it's to the point where it's like they might saying they gonna have eight wins is not a stretch anymore. If you said that in the beginning of the season about eight wins. The, a lot of people would have looked at you like, all right, bro, you boo-boo the fool. But no, now you say eight wins, and it's mm, okay. It, it's, a, it's a possibility. You don't sound as crazy for saying that. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor's going to be out for, I think they said for about a month. And Deshaun Watson is not coming back. They have not activated Deshaun Watson, which I don't blame them for whatsoever, one bit whatsoever, because I'm pretty sure the rumors going around is if they activate him, He's going to get suspended anyway. If they trade him or whatever team gets him, he's going to get suspended anyway. That's the rumor going around. Whether or not it's true, it remains to be seen. But supposedly, if anybody activates him and says he's on our roster and he's available to play, regardless if he's a starter or a backup, doesn't matter, he's going to be immediately suspended. So I understand why... 
Texans aren't putting him on the roster because they, they're like, we might as well just go get somebody else because what's the point of getting him? And then next thing you know, he's suspended, and we just wasted a whole spot on somebody who can't play for us. So I, I understand that point to that front. Number four, maybe, just maybe, the Titans won't be able to handle all the talent they have offensively. Julio had a phenomenal game. He had a phenomenal game. Eric Henry kind of stepped up. It took them a while. And it's to the point where maybe they can't handle all that talent. It's a possibility that they can't. Because you're going to have to get... Again, people are saying, oh, well, if you go and you go and you look at Kansas City, they make it work. And it's like, yeah. But at the same time, you need to understand that Andy Reid is a guy who's who's had experience kind of handling personality. He's had that experience. He's had to handle, like, you know, at the time, even though Mike Vick didn't have that big of a personality, still was a personality nonetheless. Especially after all the stuff he had to go through. Yeah, I'm, he had to handle T.O. He had to handle Donald McNabb. Um, LaShawn McCoy, who people think is like, nah, bro, he a lot – He's 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 a personality. Um, I think I already said Deshaun Jackson, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, Fletcher Cox can sometimes be. So th- there's guys that, you know, he's had to deal with. So it, it, it's a little easier when you look at Mike Vrabel. Not to say he can't do it. But again, it, it's it's tough. It, it it really is tough. You, you're like in order to handle that type of. All that talent, you need to be savvy. You got to be a savvy coach to be able to handle all that. And but there's a difference between being savvy and not being good. Mike Vrabel is a good coach. He is. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying he's a bum. But in order to handle all that talent, you do got to be savvy, and you do need to be able to finagle, finagle things and, and work with it. So, in terms of that, I'm I'm gonna have to say that no, he can't. But again, that's just saying for now, you know and. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. You know, right now they're one on one, which is good. It's good, especially considering they beat the Seahawks, which, frankly, some people had them written written off saying they couldn't do it. Um, you know, and obviously the last point, Ravens over the Chiefs. This one was f- funny is not the word, but it was funny. And I, the reason I explain is because a lot of people are using this to say why Patrick Mahomes isn't that guy anymore. When I heard that, I was like, you know, mind you, I'll be honest. I'm not a massive Patrick Mahomes fan. I think when you slow the game, when you, I don't want to say slow the game down, but when you put him in a position where he can't just fully rely on his crazy athleticism, when you force him to be a pocket passer, he's not trash. But it does make him uncomfortable, and you can tell he's a little bit out of his element. You can tell. Like when you try to force him to be a pocket passer. There was a stat that when the, when these, uh, when it, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes are starting, they are 2-6 and six when they have twenty five uh, under 25 minutes of time position. So when you slow the game down for him, he just, the explosiveness just isn't there. 
Not again, not say he's a bum. A lot of people are saying this, and now his perception is changing from oh, he's the golden boy to maybe we were overhyping him a little bit. And now this team, this Chiefs team, I don't think it just by the way, I don't think it just falls solely on him. I think it falls on on not only the defense, obviously, but I think it falls on the offense because again. Everyone in this offense is very go, 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 go. They're very fast. Um, again, Travis Kelsey for a tight end, he's got speed. You got McCall Hardman, who's fast. You got Tyree Kill, obviously, who's fast. You got a, a bunch of speed on this team, so it's not like you can have these guys just slow down because the way they play is fast. So I don't think it's fair to blame solely Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's fair, but I will say this: this Chiefs team, if they're gonna want, if they they're gonna have to learn how to play slow, and I'm not to, talking about to the point where it's like you know always or whatever, but they're gonna have to you know relax and they're gonna have to be like, okay, look, we're gonna we're gonna run the ball some, we're gonna work on you know, you know, making sure we can keep the clock running, and when we keep the clock running, we're not gonna go bonkers, we're not gonna go crazy, you know, and at the same time. If you go third, like you know, if you go three and out, that's fine. Just don't go three and no back to back. That's it. Because another thing I know you can notice about the team when they go three and no back to back, they all, all of them, including Patrick Holmes, kind of put their heads down a little bit and not really give up, but they're kind of just like, and it's you can't do that. You can't, you know. But then obviously you'll see them trying to pick it up, but they're just for just for that split moment. When you got your head down, a lot of teams will jump on you. A lot of teams will capitalize on you. So that's something they're going to have to be extremely careful of. But we're going to stick with the NFL. There are some guys here that have been balling out, dare I say. They've been balling out like crazy. And I will say this. These are the three QBs, I think, that have pressure on them and need to. I wouldn't say like they need to ball out. They need a ball now. There is a couple of honorable mentions. One, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, the only reason I didn't want to mention him is because I don't want to keep harping on him. I don't want to keep being on him. But now that they've got a lot of def uh, deficiencies in their backfield, this is the time Jimmy Garoppolo needs to step up. They 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 scored seventeen points against the Eagles. Any other team that seventeen points does not get you the win. That 17 points does not get you the win. So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to step up. And also another QB who I don't want to ben, – Ben Roethlisberger. The reason I say Ben is because he's just he can't consistently push the ball down, and there's times where they're supposed to run the ball, and you kind of see him audible out of it. The problem with that is you guys picked up Najee Harris to run the ball, and that was your problem last year. You know, like they couldn't run the ball. And it hurts you when you're when you're in the red zone, when you're like, you know, one, two, three yards out, and you're gonna keep passing. You're gonna you're gonna keep passing. Like that doesn't always work. And you know, you need to have some dynamism in there. So I'm gonna say Big Ben, you know, those are the two honorable mentions. But number one, or number three, number three. So we're going with that man from Las Vegas, Derek Carr. I just want to throw this out there. I'm gonna be honest. I have not been a Derek Carr fan. I've been one of the people who've been poo-pooing on him. I've thought he's not really 
that good. I decided to, you know, I decided to relax, right? It's a new season. We're going to go in. I'm not even going to mention 2 and 0. I'm not going to mention the records because that, 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 that's, that's unfair, right? The guy has over 800 yards. He's got four TDs with only one pick. He had he threw for over over 75 yards against the Steelers. Over 380 yards, two touchdowns. If they needed a big play, and mind you, they locked up Darren Waller. They 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 contained Darren Waller. The Steelers defense did a great job containing Darren Waller. Derek Carr still found a way. The funny part about it is John Gruden said, I hope he gets the, the, the recognition he deserves. If I'm Derek Carr, I demand a trade. Here's why. John Gruden is the same guy who said, I don't like Derek Carr. Okay? He said that. It's a matter of public record. He then traded for Marcus Mariota. Then said, when they got Marcus Mariota, it's only a matter of time before he started. Derek Carr then had the nerve. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. John Gruden then had the nerve to attempt to set up Derek Carr. Last year with some horrible play calling. We go into this year. Derek Carr still a starter. Not only is he basically carrying them on his back, but um, week, week one, him and Darren Walder, crazy. But not only that, the way this guy shows leadership, and when he when he's getting interviewed, he's calling other guys out. Like, and what I mean by calling other guys out, mentioning his teammates who show up there. You see him on the sidelines talking to these guys. There's reports that he'll stay late and he'll work with with guys who don't start, guys who don't start. He'll work with them and say, "Let's go." Now we're getting to the point of his career where, frankly, they, something needs to be done with him. Now, if, if the organization doesn't want him, fine, trade him. Send him somewhere. Send him somewhere where they will love him. Send him somewhere where he will be wanted. Stop disrespecting this man. And the reason I'm saying there's pressure on him is because, look, the instant they lose a game, they're going to want to replace him. John Gruden's going to want to replace him with Marcus Mariota, which is, to me, absurd because, look, Marcus Mariota was never that guy. Never was a fan of him. Even when he was in Tennessee, I, I always kept looking. I was like, eh-eh. Nope, mm-mm. The only reason he's starting is because Tennessee, because uh, the t- Tennessee Titans spent a first number on him, and they neither started. That's it. But you're not going to sit here and tell me, talking about, oh, yeah, bro, Marcus Mariota's burning their car. No, he's not. In no way, shape, or form. He needs to, Derek Carr needs to ball out. And the reason I'm saying he needs to ball out is because, look, this organization is going to do him dirty. They're going to. It's unavoidable. It's, it's unavoidable. They're, they're going to do him dirty. But if he balls out, at least he can go, hey, look, man, look, I did my job. They didn't want me. They can say I'm trash till they're blue in the face. Guess what? All the other teams, all of 31 other teams, no, I'm not. Y'all know I'm not. I'm not trash. Y'all know what I can do. Now people are thinking that the rate that the Raiders are. Dare I say, people think they could win the division, same division with the Chiefs. People think they could win that division. I don't 
don't know. I don't think so. But the way they're playing, people believe that. A lot of expectations, but high expectations. Let's see how we can handle it. Number two, Kyler Murray. Just got a win against the Vikings. 80% completion percentage, 400 yards, three TDs. Boy was on a tear. New hairstyle, who this? I don't know if it is if anybody has seen it, but I'm seeing a very different Kyler Murray this year. Maybe it's just the two games. I don't know. But I see a Kyler Murray who's like brave now. Like last year when you saw me kind of he looked a little nervous. He was like, oh no. Now in him, he's like, I'm here. A lot of people are saying that Dak Prescott is better than this kid. Nah. Kyler Murray is better than Dak Prescott in every way, shape, form. And when I say form, I mean form. Gas, water, solid, evaporate. I don't care what you want to call it. Kyler Murray is better than him. People have this kid ranked out their top 10, which is absurd. It's absurd. This kid is the real deal. And I think now we're starting to hear all this chit-chat about, oh, my God, maybe maybe Kyler Murray isn't that guy. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury isn't you know that good of a coach. Kyler Murray taking it personal, bro. Yeah, you ever seen Last Dance when he, when he when MJ was like, I took that person? That's Kyler Murray right now. I took that person. Dude, dude is showing up and showing out. I, 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 to me, it's just very – it's just insane. Right now, he's in, – in terms of, like, the, the – like the first two games, over 70% completion percentage, 689 yards. He's projected to throw over 5,000 yards, over 5,500 yards. This dude is projected to throw that. With the Minnesota game, he averaged 11 yards per throw. Against Tennessee, he averaged about nine yards per throw. This kid is here. This kid, this kid is trying to prove every. He's trying to do whatever he can to prove to everybody, I'm legit. I mean, I mean, top 10, forget that. I'm a top five. The kid wants to prove he's a top five. I ain't going to put him there, but top 10, 110%, I'm putting him there. There were plays that this kid was making yesterday that blew my mind. Like, this is the only kid I know who can somehow do a fadeaway in football. Let me ask you a question, and please take your time. When's the last time we seen a quarterback do a fadeaway? Time's up, never. If it took you that long, it don't matter. This kid literally will cross line of scrimmage and go, oh, wait, you're there? Step back, boop, throw it, and still be fading back, hitting dots. This kid's impressive. I got nothing but love for this kid. And by the end of the year, if he continues on this trajectory, which I genuinely believe he will, I got this kid being a top seven back in all of football. Number three, Jalen Hurts. This kid, this kid is for real. I don't care what anybody says. This kid is for real. I got nothing but, like, I granted, I'm a little biased. I really am. I'm a little biased. But because I've, I've want this kid to succeed since, since day one. I've thought, look, man, if you give this kid a chance, he'll be good. He'll be rough in the beginning. But once you once this kid has confidence, not only confidence in himself, but you got the organization to back him up. 
This kid, this kid gonna be solid. This kid's gonna be solid. And now Jalen Hurts is doing what he can to prove it. And what's nice about it is he'll throw the ball. Now he does have a lot of other of his game to work with, right? But and the reason I have him here is because he needs to prove, unlike Derek Carr, who's basically proving I'm 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 an elite player. And same with Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts is in a different category. He needs to prove that, look, I may not be the best, but you could, like, I, I'm, I could be a project that you guys work in for, like, one, two years. Because, a lot, look, a lot of people may have this misconception that every quarterback you draft needs to be, you know, a Patrick Mahomes, needs to be a Deshaun Watson, a guy you can just boop, plug right in and he takes off. For, that's not usually how it works. A lot of times, you get a Tom Brady. A lot of times, you get well. Tom Brady is a bad example, but um, you get a, a Sam Darnold, a guy who it takes time, and now you get to see what he truly is capable of, as you get this guy see with him in Carolina. That's that's usually what how it goes. It takes some time. A lot of guys don't just come in like Tua right now. Yeah, he's you know he's he's solid, but it's gonna take some time for him to get there. Trevor Lawrence is gonna take some time for him to get there. Justin Herbert, as as great as he is now, people still recognize it's still gonna take time to get there. And it's like you need to be able to look, you know, to sit there and be like, okay, you know, Jalen, show us something, show us a glimpse, show us that. You're the guy we should, we should rock with. Show us you're that dude. Show us, give us a reason to keep you. And as, again, again he's kind of the outlier because he, he doesn't have to go, um, what is it about, uh, there's 17 games now? So he, he can go 8-9. He can go, you know, like 7-10. and 10. That's fine as long as they're close, if they're close games, and He's putting up solid numbers. If he can do that, he can prove I deserve to be here. And honestly, it seems like that's all he wants. He just wants an opportunity to prove that he belongs, to prove that he should be where he's at. I'm hoping he can do it. I really am because I, I like him. I really do like Jalen Hurts. I believe, you know, he'll he'll be a respectable quarterback in two, three years. I do believe that. I do believe he is a project, though. I don't think he's the type of player that you can just plug him in and hit the ground running. He's a guy you're going to have to spend some years working with, crafting with. So it's going to be interesting. But that's enough for me. Before I, before I let you guys go, Wednesday, we gonna, I'm going to have three guests here. And I'm very excited for this. It's going to be a long one. They're going to be from the Bad Decisions, Good Intentions podcast. I'm very excited for them. I'm going to play you guys a little sound bit just of what they do on their show. Hear me out. Hear me out. Say you standing on the side of the road, right? Mm -hmm. And you got a 23-year-old Mike Tyson walking towards you and he mad. I don't know what he's mad about. That's not my problem. All I know is he offers you $20 million to punch you in the face as hard as he can. What's your first answer? Yes. What? Thank you. Oh, no, I'm not saying you got to get with that person in two to three weeks. I'm saying you will know if you want to actually pursue something with that person after two to three weeks, bro. No. Mm -mm. Still no. Still oh, no. my. It don't take you that long.
So I'm going to have Tristan, Bruno, and Jordan on the show. This is going to be fun. The Bad Decision, the Good Intentions, Bad Decision podcast. Please feel free to check them out. I mean, they talk about everything. They'll dabble in sports. They'll talk about relationships. They'll talk about – they talk about it all. It's a fun podcast. It, I, I highly encourage you guys to listen to it. But like I said, come Wednesday, them, them three dudes going to be here. We're going to have some fun. I promise you we're going to have some fun. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a little hectic. It's going to be a long one. So if you want to watch it from start to finish, I highly recommend you you have some food next to you because I'm telling you, it's going to be a good one. But that's enough for me for today. I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. Like always, it is your boy, Riley Barry Valdez, a.k.a. Pride. Thank you for spending some time with me, and I'll see you guys on Wednesday. I knew where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the shoe on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. Hear me out, hear me out. Say you standing on the side of the road, right? Mm-hmm. And you got a 23-year-old Mike Tyson walking towards you and he mad. I don't know what he's mad about. That's not my problem. All I know is he offers you $20 million to punch you in the face as hard as he can. What's your first answer? Yes. What? Thank you. Oh. No, I'm not saying you got to get with that person in two to three weeks. I'm saying you will know if you want to actually pursue something with that person after two to three weeks, bro. No. Mm -mm. Oh, my. It don't take you that long.